Hey, this is Ryan Crone for More Than Velocity Podcast. We got a special guest today. It's Ryan Lavardway. Ryan and I have been talking. He's got you know so much going for him with his professional baseball career. He's been playing in the Olympic level. He's doing all sorts of different things. He's moving into a, a different realm of life. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna learn a little bit from him about his his involvements. But we're really gonna dial in to his career, how he kept himself prepared. I constantly get questions um, sent to me about preparation habits of players. And sometimes I get them for catchers. And I, I know what they do in the weight room because I've been leading some of the more physical elements. You know, where Ryan on the skill side, you know, not only just knowing those things to keep his body in check um, and the mindset side is an expert. So Ryan, I'm going to turn it over to you, man. Just let's give the crowd an introduction and, you know, what you're doing now and we'll get into it. What's up, guys? Ryan Lavarnway. Uh, just retired from 15 years of pro baseball, 10 seasons in the big leagues, Olympics, two WBCs, World Series at the Red Sox in 2013. And I am excited to kind of go through this with you guys. Yeah. So I, I think the first question I have, Ryan, is um, who's the best pitcher you've ever caught? Are you allowed to talk about that? Uh, John Lester will probably make the Hall of Fame. <laughs> When I, when I when I think about teammates and I don't want to choose favorites, I just choose which ones either broke franchise records or are going to make the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I love it. Love it. That's the best way to go. So, you know, one of the things we're, we're a company that's based on throwing arm health um, and uh, and people don't really exactly consider catching, you know, on the same spectrum as pitching. But, you know, when well, people have to. You know, when people yeah. got to do the math, the pitcher throws the ball, but someone else has to throw it back to them, right? And um, I did a study with some people when I was doing my postdoc at Penn uh, on the injury uh, recovery and return to performance, not just return to sport, but to actually go back to a level of performance or better um, across positions for Tommy John surgery. Catching had the lowest rate of return. So those of you, if your parents coaches, scouts, if, uh, you know, you're looking at catchers, we have to do a better job preventing injury in this particular population of athlete. Um, because if they do get hurt, you got a greater chance that they won't be the same. And, uh, you know, and, and I wanted you to talk a little bit about just your overall performance process of how you took care of your body and your arm. I think that would be just great to start. Well, I can talk you through my own journey with arm care and arm health. I Perfect. grew up in Southern California. I, I pitched like everybody that was the best player on the team pitch. And when I was 10 years old, my elbow hurt so much all the time that I, I had to stop pitching. Even though I had, was through harder than anyone on the field, I would like snap my arm and re recoil. That was my, my arm action. And I always had elbow tendonitis always. It was, I couldn't avoid it. So I stopped pitching at 10. Elbow hurt on and off all the way through high school, all the way through college. When I got drafted by the Boston Red Sox, they have a team policy that anyone who signs for over a quarter of a million dollars has to get an MRI of their elbow and their shoulder to make sure they're not purchasing a bum product, right? So they MRI my arm, they MRI my shoulder, and after the scans are back, here's the kicker. They don't give me my own results. I don't know what the scans say, but what they say is, does your arm hurt? And I go, sometimes. And they're like, you're going to do these shoulder exercises every single day. 
So they gave me a band shoulder program and a dumbbell shoulder program. And granted, this was 16 years ago. I understand the science and the exercise progression has evolved since then. But I was doing shoulder rehab every single day for the first two years that I was a pro. Mm -hmm. And my elbow never hurt again. Yeah. Flash forward to the 12th year of my professional career. I didn't take an off season for the first time. I, I sat the bench a lot. I got called up by the Braves and was sitting the bench a lot. So as soon as the season was over, I'm hyped. I'm motivated. Let's just get this thing going. I'm going to be super jacked next year. Start long tossing right away with no time off. And my shoulder hurt the entire year the next year. Mm -hmm. I got an MRI um, of my own volition, slap tear in my labrum. Oof. Now I start thinking back to that draft scan and I call the Red Sox. 10, 10 or 12 years later, I'm not even with them anymore. They still have this copy of my scans. That's the slap tear that I had had when I got drafted. Mm. So slap tear labrum made my elbow hurt because it was compensating. Mm -hmm. Did the exercises, didn't have an issue with it for a decade. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting you mentioned that because they're, you know, almost all athletes uh, in baseball, you know, if you played from the time that you're like six years old, are going to have some type of asymmetric slap tear. Um, because you need to, to throw hard and over time to get external rotation range of motion, you're creating stress at that point. You know, you're, you, more of the slap tears, the issues come from layback for, and the bicep tendon, they, it rolls as you go back, um, and it can create tension, you know, and what you mentioned is that, you know, good on that organization that they saw this and they put you on a process right away, you know, and, and that, that doesn't always happen. When I worked in Major League Baseball, the only access we had to any kind of internal details was with the Dominican team. Uh, Dominican, the high, you know, you're going to put multi-million dollars into, you know, a 16-year-old kid. We knew everything about them. And, it, you know, it was kind of scary what, what their arms were going through. Um, but you mentioned something really interesting about not taking time off as a position player. And, um, you know, as a, on the pitching side, you know, we recommend at least two weeks off. They don't have to take a, a super amount of time off, but two weeks to, you know, kind of have active recovery, improve your arm strength again, because in the season you have a lot of fatigue and we monitor that. We look at arm strength fatigue, um, which is, which is pretty interesting. And, um, you know, kind of what you're learning now, you, you, you could have made that adjustment. And with the technology that, you know, being able to assess your arm, it, it would have been a lot easier for you to say, Hey, wait, I got to fix all this stuff before picking yeah. up a ball. Now we talk about the body. I, I need to, I need to take this a little further because this is the podcast called more than velocity. And, you know, I wanted to kind of, cause, cause you're in this motivation world, you're in the mindset world. That's really something that I think is important that people don't understand mentally. What, you know, what was, what was your routine? What can, you know, athletes learn from listening to this podcast on how to go about a good mental routine? So I'll answer your question specifically as a catcher, because it yeah. sounds like you don't have a lot of catchers on this program. Mm -hmm. You need to understand that your main goal is to win the game, not to show up and get hits or hit a homer. And to win the game, you have the opportunity to make the biggest impact by what you do with your glove behind the dish. Mm -hmm. So you have to focus every single pitch on how you present the pitch, framing it, steal strikes. Mm -hmm. Every strike that you steal, 200 to 300 
points of batting average against that you're saving, especially mm-hmm. if you do it in the OO or the one, one transition counts mm-hmm. beyond that, you're giving your pitcher confidence. You're reading swings, reading the pitch out of the hand, seeing what is working that day because you go into the game with a game plan. That's another part of the mindset that scouting reports and understanding your pitcher's repertoire. That's a whole nother issue, but in game play with your eyes, trust what you see and make adjustments. Don't be a robot and just go straight on the scouting report. Beyond that, you are all, you're also a teammate with your pitcher, but you have the chance to be a coach on the field. And a lot of times the best catchers turn out to be really good sports psychologists oh on the field. Some of the best moments of my career or the things I'm the most proud of are when I could go out to the mound and I knew my pitcher well enough to read his body language or to listen to what he said when I got out there or how he responded to what I said or a situation that just happened. And I was able to tell him exactly what he needed to hear to be his best. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I even call it tricking him into being as good as he can be (laughs) because pitchers are different animals. It's Mm -hmm. a lonely place out on that mound. Even if you have nine guys on your side and 40,000 people in the stands cheering for you, you are all by yourself. You have to throw, you have to throw it against the batter in the big leagues, you're facing the best in the world, and it's man versus man. Mm-hmm. Playing softball, woman versus woman. Nobody can help you. But as the catcher, I need him to know I got his back. And I need him to know how good he is, or at least trick him into thinking it. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, so there's a lot that you you unpack there. And, um, you know, I wanted to to touch on something you talked about, you know, the catching extra strikes. There was a team, you know, when, when I joined arm care, it took a little bit um, to start putting content out, but we have about 50 plus hours for free, but a team reached out to me because they had seen some of this stuff and said, Ryan, you know, we, we want you to come in and talk to us about why you, th- why you think we have a lot of arm injuries and we can't be, we can't figure it out. They got all the technology, they get all these people um, dedicated and they, they wanted to figure out how to manage this. So the first place I look is catching because, you know, when people ask me, you know, what are the causes of pitching injuries? Right. And it should be intuitive, but it's pitching. The more, the more risk you have, it's associated to the more throws you make because they're getting hurt based on throwing, not walking off a, you know, a, a curve and landing on one arm and jacking up their inner elbow, you know, cause that's my thing is the elbow uh, injuries. But we went, I went through the data and StatCast is really interesting because you can really see how catchers frame and how they, how they are able to steal strikes. And so when I looked at this team, I said, well, this is interesting. When their first string catcher, you know, gloves the ball, um, he's got a lot of coverage in the low zone, not only the low zone, but on the backhanded side into, you know, um, a left-handed hitter. Okay. And, and again, they see more righties, there's less damage down and away, especially off the plate. If they chase, they get weaker contact. But what's interesting is that when this first string catcher started playing less injuries, fatigue, all these things I asked about this first string catcher, they had to use their backup more. Okay. Now their backup, that particular zone, he was probably one of the worst in the league to be able to handle that. And you start, you know, playing more games, right? Uh, 80 over 80 games so it you know one of the effects was they went from 16.4 pitches to 16.8 on average per inning okay per pitcher 
And most people are like, ah, that doesn't matter. It's like 4.4 pitches. That's thousands of pitches, right? Thousands of load that they could not save. So I remember going into the meeting, they're like, so what should we do? I said, well, let, I need to understand what you do with your catchers. How do you condition them? You know, how, what are they taught? And the whole thing was like, we're in a world that's like mechanics, mechanics, mechanics. Not only that, we're focused so much on pitching velocity. Nobody cares where it goes. And so that, that forces the catcher to be even better. Okay. Now, one of the things I want to ask you because of your career and your catching specific knowledge and ability, how did you manage the low and away off the plate strike Okay, or the low and in on the lefty, because um, I hear different things like um, a double hinge where basically the ball's coming into the body. You know, how do you handle that? Because the catchers that are listening here, if you are able to be effective in receiving the ball, and Ryan is he's mentioning this, I want to echo it, you are contributing to a healthier game for everyone. Catching healthier. is the most important thing. So I want to know technically, you know, what to do there. Yeah, healthier, and you're going to win the game. Yeah. Which sometimes in this day and age of skills and homers and velocity, you forget that you play to win the game. Yes. So I played through a transition in the catcher position, the transition okay. in how it's evaluated, transition in what's considered important before the StatCast era and then after the StatCast era. I was taught early in my career the give and turn on the low pitch. Okay. Pocket goes down with the ball, risk goes up. Then I transitioned to away from the Red Sox to the Orioles. It was keep the thumb underneath. Oh, yeah. Show a sandwich to the pitcher. Later in my career, it was turn the doorknob, thumb down yeah. to thumb up or elbow up to elbow down. A couple different ways to talk about it. On the outside pitch, another thing you need to consider is how is your body setting up? Are you exactly. intentionally blocking the ball from the umpire? Are you intentionally trying to give him the best view possible? What are you doing? If you're a one knee setup guy, you're expecting the ball on the right side of the plate. Do you go left knee down so that you can angle your body back towards the middle? Or if there's a right handed hitter up, do you intentionally have your right knee down so that the umpire that is between you and the hitter, the umpire always sets up between the catcher and the hitter has a full view of the plate. And if the umpire gets a great view of the ball, there's a better chance that they call it a strike. So there's a lot more things to consider as a catcher than most people even have the bandwidth to think about. I'm going to hate this answer. I know it. But in your opinion, what's the best approach to that part of the zone? I do feel that if Hitting? catchers are able to handle it and, you know, if they need more mobility, if we got to teach them um, to, to have, you know, just better body control in those positions or, you know, the, the thing I worry about this one with the thumb you know, I was always taught, like, if you got your thumb down, it, you could have problems. But if you, yeah, if you could mention, like, what would be, in your opinion, the best approach, setup, strategy with the glove, all those things to steal that pitch, I think there could be an amazing improvement in health, which is where I'm really focused, is how we keep players healthy. So there's two buckets that what I'm about to tell you falls into, and I'll get there. The best catchers in the league either have a ton of movement with their glove or have virtually no movement with their glove. And I'll give you the, the two examples are, um, he was uh, Tyler Flowers. He led the league in receiving metrics for multiple years. 
also led the league in most balls not caught. He would reach between his legs, back behind him, and rip his glove up through the zone as fast as possible, leaving it up to the umpire's guess of where did I actually catch that ball. Did not stick it at the end. It was a full big wave movement. Catch it, throw it back. You don't know where I caught it, but my glove was moving up, catches your eye, you call it a strike, even if I don't catch it. Wow. The other side of that is Roberto Perez, who won two back-to-back gold gloves at the catcher position. Looks like he is falling asleep when he's catching. There's no relax mechanism. There's no frame. It's just, here's a target, ball hit my glove, stick it for a second, throw it back. Nothing happens. Had one of the best receiving metrics in the league. So there's 15 different ways to skin this cat. I don't know why people are skinning cats. It's disgusting. <laughs> but the, the point is, understand how you're trying to do it and get really good at that way. Because the same way you can hit 10 different ways, the same way you can throw from 10 different arm slots, if yeah. you do it right, you can do it your way. Yeah. So I love it because it's it's really profiling. I mean, that's that's what we do with our device is really understanding like the athlete's arm strength. And then you got to look at anatomy. I got one athlete that's got the slap issue that we realized he's going to have a, way less issues as a side armor and trying to lean and, and, and get his arm up, which hurts him anyway, because uh, it's a chromium. But that's amazing. Now, wanna, I want to end this with like, you know, what like what you're doing now. What what is baseball? Because there, there's some guys we've had some some former managers, we've had some former players on this thing. Like, what what does life look like for you now that you're fully retired? Well, I'm not playing baseball anymore, but I'm still involved in the game. I'm broadcasting for the Rockies. I'm doing pregame and postgame shows on TV, hoping to get more involved in some colored play by play as we go. I'm gonna take some reps down in an independent league ball team about 45 minutes away, get in the booth during the game. Excited about that. I'm going to be working on this with you, giving some mindset motivation speeches. And I'm flying out to the Hall of Fame later this month to play in the Cooperstown Legends game. So that'll be exciting. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Now, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, is, is LinkedIn your best place? If someone wanted to message you or, you know, how would somebody ask you a question? Social media? Yeah, I mean, they're going, to, I manage, they're going to listen to this podcast. Yeah, I manage all my own social media. So reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, Ryan LaVarnway, you know, LinkedIn is just your name. Uh, Instagram, our LaVarnway. It's, it's not, it's not the real Ryan LaVarnway. You're not, there's not six. No, of there's you. only, it's not a common name. There's only a couple of us. There's a <laughs> lawyer, there's a kid okay. and the skateboards or something. It's, you'll know it's me. Okay. Amazing. Well, or, listen, uh, or check out my website, ryanlavarnway.com. Listen for you guys that are, you know, uh, attending this podcast, I significantly want to tell you and position you to, to kind of follow the things he puts out there and, um, and really kind of look at his career because Ryan has been able to play at the major league level, but he's also played, you know, internationally. He's seen a lot of the world through the game. Um, I've had the fortunate opportunity to play in a lot of places, but um, I don't know, Ryan, you probably agree that once the game's gone, the most important thing is the relationships you build. And, um, you know, I'm just excited that we get to know each other and and uh, we've, we've met and I'm hoping people who, uh, you know, are really parents that are your socializing your your kids through the game um to focus on relationships be a good person if they're a catcher you listen to what ryan said um because you are a psychologist you are the motivator you know you're you're that you know there's a brotherhood there so you know ryan thanks so much for uh for what you shared with us today man and i just wish you the best of luck 
Thank you, brother. And we will be working together going forward too. So I'm excited for that.